Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ, it's good to see your eyeballs as opposed to what the last episode was like where you wore your sunglasses the whole time. Oh, man. And the truth is I need the sunglasses more today than I needed them Tuesday. <laughs> Why do you need them today? Uh, I got into the wine last night. Oh, okay. All right. Vino CJ. You, this post deadline thing, it's real. <laughs> like the last few weeks have been just nutty working every day, late, early, you know, just a lot of demands. Uh, so you need these few days where you just lick your wounds and chill. But, uh, you know, the, it was a bit on Tuesday cause I was actually feeling fine today. I was like, Oh man, I actually just need the sunglasses Oh man. But also, um, one other thing I want to mention before we get into some of the topics I have today. Do you have that bear hat that you sometimes wear on uh, some of the podcasts? People keep asking, even though I believe in a much earlier episode, uh, we revealed where you got the hat. But please tell everyone where you can get the bear hat that you wear on the podcast from time to time. Right. And we should be clear, this is not an ad. I purchased this hat. I've actually purchased five or six hats from this company. It's called North Standard Trading Post. Uh, it's in Parkdale in Toronto, but you can place orders online. I know some people have ordered even from overseas from them. I believe it's a husband and wife that that just have a, a clothing shop. They got these cool hats. I actually buy beard oil from them. Uh, they've also got uh, some cool little like t-shirts for kids and stuff, like really cute bear t-shirts if you're have a smaller size person you're like to buy for. So um, that's a totally not an ad, but, but uh, support local and they're, they're a great company. And I, I love this hat. I, this hat, I'm not kidding more than anything I own. They keep it on the street. People ask me about it. Uh, like a guy at the LCBO, I don't know, a month ago uh, was, was told me, he's like, Oh, I got to get that hat. And then the next time I saw him there, he's like, yeah, I got my kid one. So anyway, I'm trying to send North standard all this business. Hey man. North Standard, if you are interested in sponsoring this podcast, hit up hit Adam us up. Wild. He's the businessman. Yeah, he is the businessman for that. And while we're on the subject of products, uh, have you seen, well, I mean, obviously you've seen them. Uh, what do you make of these uh, Toronto Maple Leafs jerseys designed by Justin Bieber? It seems like some of the older crowd are all like, nah, I don't know about some of these jerseys being reversible and looking like the Boston Bruins, but some of the younger people might like it. Where do you stand on those jerseys? I thought they were sick. Honestly, I thought they looked awesome. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm far from your fashionista. I mean, you didn't even ask me about this sweatshirt here, but. Is that from like your high school? Let me tell you. High school? This is my high school. My high school is out of business. My high school doesn't exist anymore. So this is, this might be one of one that exists at this point in time. So, you know, you can't just be going and buying that at North Standard or going and buying one of these Bieber jerseys, but I, I love the Leafs Bieber jersey. I thought it looked cool. I thought it would have been neat if they reversed it mid-game and wore the black and yellow for a while, but I'm guessing there's rules about that. They would have to change their socks, whatever. Um, but I think it'd be neat at some point in the future if they play with the reverse jersey. Um, I have no idea if that's possible, if that's in the works, but yeah, I think people got to lighten up a little bit. Like jerseys, it gets all, let's face it, it's marketing. Like, you know, I'm not a huge fan of, of international soccer. Like I, I sort of loosely follow the premiership and stuff, but those teams change their colors. They, they, they do everything right. And, and I assume it's because someone's buying them and it's interesting. So, you know, I think I like where the NHL has gone the last few years where there's more 
more jerseys. Like each team has up to four sweaters, I think at times that makes a lot of sense to me. I could, I think there's a case even for more and take some risks. Like, yeah, it's not going to be to everyone's liking, but you know, I think it's, it's interesting and it's good for the marketing baby. And it's not even like some random bum, you know, design the jersey. It's it's Justin Bieber. And I get that people are like, oh, you know, Justin Bieber, this pop artist, whatever. We're talking about one of the most known artists in the world who happens to be a big Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Like, I think this is a pretty big deal. And it's no surprise that it ended up being the best selling jersey yesterday on the NHL's website. Like, that's no, that's look, cool. Remember the Drake jerseys that he did for the Raptors? Like, like yeah, why not? This is. Come on, this is the world. Again, lighten up. Like, if you really, like, I get it. Okay, maybe you just, it doesn't meet your eye. But I don't think it's that big a deal. Like, I don't know how many Facebook uncles are out there yelling about this, but let's, 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 like, enough. Let's, let's have some fun. Honestly, I think it's great. And and it's such a natural fit with the Leafs. Obviously, the, you know, Matthews and, and those guys are legit buddies with Beaver go on vacations together and stuff. So, um, you know, I think it's good for the league, frankly, to, to have – more of those kind of partnerships. And, and again, this one isn't forced. It's not some made up thing. It's the guy loves his team. Yeah, man. Also, I just want to shout out uh, the SDP because uh, Adam gave Steve, like he bought him like one of the jerseys. They like showed them off during the episode. I just want to say that was just like really cool that they were just able to do that. And they were all just kind of like wearing those jerseys. That really looks like something I could see myself just like going to a party like I'm wearing a hoodie right now and I could just like put on a Jersey, like right above it. Like, I don't, I don't know if you ever rock that style, but like, I, I like that style. I don't get to do it as often as I'd like, but like, I, that's something I could see myself wearing, especially with, with the yellow on top. Like I, I, I like that style. I don't know the last time I wore any Jersey for any sport, you know, I'll wear a hat maybe, but not, not, I feel like you get to a certain age, the Jersey's a tough look. I don't know what and, that age is, but I feel like I'm North of it, whatever, whatever the cutoff is. Uh, I did have a Dallas Cowboys jersey because I'm a big Cowboys fan. But even that, yeah. I would never wear in public. I would be like, like once or twice a year, I'll go watch a game at Pierre LeBron's house, and I would like wear it in his living room with him. And then I would change out of it and walk home and not be wearing it in public. So um, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not a big jersey guy. I actually, well, the last time I wore a jersey was when I got given the Dangle Navy jersey. Yes, I started this podcast. I was I, actually I be- thinking I'm going to wear that for one of the shows at some point. I think. I have one on the way. I was asked yeah. for my size and and what name I want on it. So I I am led to believe one is coming. I think on a previous what episode I mentioned. Did you go, did you go last? Well, my own. Number? Yeah, my own name, and I, I forget what number I add. I asked for, but like I, on a previous episode, I said uh, that I I think somewhere I wanted to get one of the jerseys when they with the SDPN shop website, which by the way you can get some great stuff there. Uh, I asked about one and I just missed the because uh, they, they sold out really quickly i just missed and like a couple days later i got a message from jesse being like hey there's one on the way so i'm just sitting here waiting for my jersey to show up so when i get mine we'll we should wear our jerseys all right i'm in Count let's do in. it all right um the evgeny dadanov trade we had a whole episode titled the dadanov debacle the last time we did this you were you know wearing your tinted colored glasses that time but you can see clear on that episode eh i don't know about a bit loopy i'd say uh you had no filter you were loose i I, like i'm still getting like people in my dms like talking about it like everyone thinks thought i took an edible or something which i can tell you (laughs) 
like 100%. I've not taken an edible since the, the saddle dome situation a few years ago. Um, like I'm steering clear of that. Unless we ever want to like take one and then do an episode together and we'll make a point of it. But I don't know if that's a good idea at all. <laughs> I do not think that's a good idea at all. Because at that point, I don't know if I want to even record anything. What, much what less. happens if we do, we, when we do the live show in Montreal at the draft? We can. Oh, I will. I mean, I mean, alcohol is one thing, but like, I'm not. I'm definitely not doing that edible. Man. Absolutely okay. not. I don't really yes. want to do it either. Because based on my one experience, I was like a puddle of fear. So I, I don't really. I don't really want to be messing with that. But anyway, I was 100% not high, uh, even though that, like like so many people on YouTube, like every comment was just like, CJ is high. I've only watched 50 seconds and he is high. I was like, <laughs> I was like no, CJ just didn't sleep for like three weeks and he's, his brain power is spent. I'm still like, I'm useless right now, man. Like did this dad enough situation? Like I feel like I'm living in a time warp. A trade went through that didn't happen. Like how, like what's going on? I, I know that there's just really weird to process. And at the point when we were talking about it initially on the last episode, we still didn't know if the trade was going to go through. And now we know that it has been officially waved off and not even just like, oh, you know, just someone just tweeting out. It's not up like the NHL had to send out a release to everyone saying that the trade has been waved off. The NHL says the NTC wasn't uh, the, the no trade clause aspect of this wasn't complied with. And he's supposed to play tonight against the Nashville Predators. Awkward. Get this. So I was told they, they were in Minnesota, I believe, on Monday, the day of the deadline. I believe he was trying to play that night. Like he was insistent that he had this no trade clause. And I believe he expected to play that night. Obviously, it didn't, you know, the trade had gone through. There was the, the process that took a couple of days before it was reversed. And, and he ultimately flew back to Vegas. But I think he wanted to play that night, as awkward as that is, even when they're trying to trade him out of town to a place on his no-trade list. Like, what a strange situation. I, I feel for Dadnov, honestly. This is – we're talking about a guy with a family. You know, we, we talked about sort of the human side of the deadline before, but imagine this, where they're like, no, we just traded you to a place that you've said you can't go on your no-trade list. And I'm no expert in income tax things, but, you know, I punched it in on cap-friendly – and it looks like it, the difference in his salary next year would be about a million bucks if he was paying income tax in California versus uh, what what's gets paid in Nevada. So like it's not it's not nothing. And I mean, he might have other personal reasons he doesn't want to play in Anaheim too. So what a strange situation. Now he rejoins this team that that obviously needs all the help it can get. Um, very weird. And and he could still be traded, Julian, like or someone else on on the roster. You're able to make trades after the deadline. The player just can't play for the team when that happens. So. Um, you know, if Vegas wants to activate Alec Martinez or Mark Stone off of, of LTIR before the end of the regular season, they're going to have to remove salary in some way, shape or form. And so whether it's Dadnov or someone else, he might still get traded and his season might be done, which is just seems kind of cruel. But, you know, this is the realities of the cap world. I, thank you for pointing out that one detail I want to focus on here. I was under the impression up until yesterday that if you were traded after the deadline, you were only ineligible to play in the playoffs, ineligible to play in the playoffs. But if I understand correctly, if you get traded after the deadline, you can't play the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. I don't, I don't know how long that's been the thing. Yeah, that's correct. And it's only if you sign, if you sign as a free agent after the deadline, you can play in regular season games. Okay. Uh, if, you, if you're a free agent, if you say, if you're like a player coming out of NCAA, um, you're on the team's what's called their reserve list at the deadline. So even if you sign your contract, say after your team gets beat out of the tournament, 
you could play in the playoffs, like we saw with Cole Caulfield, right? For yeah. example, last year uh, in Montreal. So, yeah, there's all these little wrinkles and nuances, but the, the truth is we might still see a trade. Maybe this year is the one year it makes sense because there's so many teams still in, in kind of cap jail or cap trouble. And and let's face it, it's we're really talking about one team right now. It's Vegas because they have these players on LTIR. They have so many other guys injured. They're currently out of a playoff spot as we're recording this, and they've been sliding the wrong way for a good month. And so there's going to be pressure, I'm assuming. If Mark Stone can play, they're going to want to get him in the lineup. Like, I don't know where he's at health-wise with his back injury, but you would think because of how important the points are, how, how great of a player he is, they're going to do everything they can to get him playing, but they might have to trade someone else off the roster to do it. Um, you know, the Golden Knights have always played a little – how do I put it? They've been so aggressive. They've added a lot of big contract players. Like, I'm not really criticizing them for it at all, but they, they've had cap troubles, right? I think they played something like 15 games last season in the short year with, with less than a full roster because they weren't able to have, you know, 20 skaters dressed or, or 18 skaters and two goalies. And so, um, you know, this th- this has been a common theme there, but you know, it's because they've stockpiled great players. They went and made the Jack Eichel trade this year, despite having Mark Stone and Alex Petrangelo making big money and a number of others. And so they've they've run into some cap issues and they, they probably have their biggest one on their hands right now. So I, I imagine in whatever 10 team no trade clause that Evgeny Dananoff has, I, I'm pretty I, I'm I'm willing to bet the Arizona Coyotes are on that list because otherwise it would it should just be a just an easy dump of his salary over to Arizona who could use all they can get to get to whatever point they need with a cap floor, right? Well, there's nothing easy about it, though. Like, I think he's due to make $6.5 million in actual salary next season. So it's a real commitment for a team to bring him on. Now, he's, he's a useful player also. We're not just trading a bad contract here. This is, this is a player that still has utility in the league. But, you know, I think you're, that's, the, the price of that has got to be a first-round pick at this point. I mean, who's going to be doing them a favor as it stands? And, you know, at least when Anaheim, the deal that got reversed, Anaheim was getting rid of Ryan Kessler's contract. Uh, so there was salary there. They were dumping the John Moore contract, which they'd received from Boston. There's another thing. John yeah. Moore is an actual player. I mean, at this stage, and in, in Ryan, Ryan Kessler is retired without being retired. He's, he's injured. He's not going to play hockey again. But John Moore just got reversed back to Anaheim. And then they were also getting a second-round pick. So, you know, Anaheim was sending money back the way and, and still getting a second-round pick. I'm guessing in this scenario – whatever team is acquiring potentially say a dad knob, or maybe it's Riley Smith or someone else that could be dealt. I don't think that they're sending money back. And so I think it's gotta be at least a first rounder to absorb that, that price. And that that's a lot. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what Vegas is going to do. Obviously they thought they thought they had a trade. Like that's, it's crazy that this went through. And it's actually funny on our Sunday episode that we talked about the process of, of a trade call because it, it's very relevant to what happened here. And I've since followed up with a few you know, people that would do trade calls for teams, you know, front office types, like they said that literally one of the first discussions, like when you, when you talk to the central registry is they'll ask if there's any trade protection. If a player has a list, they need to see the list. Like, you know, when Ben Chiraca traded to Florida for Montreal, he has a 10 team, no trade list. Central registry needed to see his list to ensure that Florida wasn't on it. It's, it's a matter of procedure, but the point is it's routine. It's what happens. And so that that detail somehow got missed or there's a dispute or is, is really eye-opening. And, you know, we're going to the GM's meeting in a couple of days. And I wonder if this process maybe gets standardized a little bit more because there's a lot of situations, Julian, where guys have 
um, where they miss submitting their trade list and it basically gets voided. Uh, I don't know if you remember, I did a piece, I actually went to Sweden just before the, the um, lockdowns, uh, before the, the pandemic, and I did a piece with Patrick Berglund. If you remember, Berglund walked away from his contract with Buffalo. And really what had happened there is there was a dispute between him, him and his agent about whose fault it was, but we know for sure he didn't submit a no trade list by the deadline to St. Louis. So he lost his no trade protection. And then they dealt him on July 1st to Buffalo. And then he went there and didn't like it. And, you know, he'd been a blue his whole career, 700 plus games. And he ended up walking away from a big sum of money because he just Jesus. wasn't happy. And, but it, the, the, the root of the issue was they missed the deadline to submit his no trade list. There's, there's other players that it's happened to as well. I think Mark Stahl, uh, before he got de dealt from the Rangers to Detroit, uh, had a similar type of issue. Uh, I'm led to believe it's pretty common. In some some cases, if you miss the deadline, the agent will sort of go to the team and say, hey, look, I was supposed to file this and I didn't. And, and some, sometimes the team will honor it in reverse just in, in good faith. But, um, you know, I just wonder if this whole system comes under scrutiny because you really can't have a trade be approved in reverse. Like this is, at this point, it's a one-off, but you can't have this happen again. I mean, it's, what a disaster. You, at the same time, you can't have a move take place where a no trade clause, even though for whatever reason teams didn't check, is is active is is still there like that process needs to be like something like something needs to be done to ensure that every team every part of every person involved in that process knows that a an ntc or an nmc is in this like it, it it's mind-boggling that some team could drop the ball in terms of failing to notify another team that that is out there and we have the process that we have like cat friendly and puckpedia exists well, I got to tell you, one of the craziest things that nearly happened Monday that didn't is we had a blockbuster deal worked out to send you to the Noxie and Cax podcast. <laughs> it is not one for one, but you blocked that with your no trade clause. So, uh, so uh, the listeners didn't even know about that, but we had a deal. Julian for Liz Knox, straight up. The deal is one for one. Is that really it, man? That That's and what you, you guys are really going to do? And you really? block it with your no trade. I couldn't believe you're gonna it. just expose my business like this. Like, geez, guys, Outrage. I know you, I know you're you're an insider, you're in the scoops, but I didn't expect you to broadcast that news. This is this is pretty awkward for me, man. Like, guys, like I had that's I'm dealing you to the 32 Thoughts podcast after this. Like, once we get to the off season, we're gonna have to look at some things. Don't tempt me with a good time, CJ. I'm kidding. I would never. I would never consider that a good time compared to the Chris Johnston show, especially if you're going to act like how you acted earlier this week. I mean, Jeff Merrick is definitely not going to do an episode where he's wearing sunglasses the entire time. Freeman, I you, like I'm on the I'm on the verge of just going full loopy again. Like I have no brain power right now. I mean, you straight up just tried to offer me to another podcast. I know. <laughs> Thought I was going to get a more professional host with Liz, but not happening. Wow, you don't think I'm professional? <laughs> You're professional, bud. I'm just cheating. I'm just having some fun. You better recognize. Is there any other aspect of this Dadenoff story that needs to be discussed that I did not ask you before we move on? I don't think so. No, but I, I, I will repeat. I just think it's a shitty situation for him. Um, you know, it sucks, but. You know what? He's still in Vegas. Maybe they go on a run. They make the playoffs. They win a cup. Like who knows? Like Vegas is a fascinating team to me because they they couldn't be more down and out. I think they have eight or nine injuries at the moment. Some of their star players, but if they get in, like who's really going to want to play them? Even though this year has not gone their way, um, and they might miss. The fact they could miss the playoffs is wild as well. So 
we'll be, I'm sure we'll be talking Golden Knights again at some point. They might be making a trade here after the deadline too. So they're, they're a newsy bunch. Actually, one other thing I'll mention here. If the Golden Knights miss the playoffs with everything going on, yes, there were, they've had a bunch of injuries, but the way this Dadanov debacle kind of went down, does that affect Kelly McCrimmon's job security in any way? Do you envision a situation like that? Because it's still like some form of incompetence taking place over that, right? I don't, I don't see it. I, I think some, like the worst thing you can do as a team, I think is overreact at times. And, you know, it's something that that's come up a lot in Toronto, obviously, because that team has had a lot of great regular seasons, hasn't got over the playoff hump. Like, I think there's danger in maybe reading too much into this year for Vegas. So Look, I suppose anything's possible, but the other way to look at their team, and Kelly's was part of the, the front office right since day one, uh, first in an assistance role in, in the last few years as the general manager, is they've been ridiculously competitive since the minute they entered the NHL. So I would think that he's built up some cachet with ownership there, and, and I would like to think that they're going to take a reasoned approach to, like, if you have nine players out at any given time, like, what team can survive that? Um so I, I don't sense that he's in any trouble, but I guess we'll see how the follow of this goes. I mean, this is still a sort of what I would call developing story or active story. Like, I think they're going to have to do some more roster juggling, and, and they're obviously trying to squeeze into the playoffs. And so, um, yeah, we'll just see how it plays out. Okay, I want to bring back Leafs Corner for a couple of minutes. We are not oh, a Maple Leafs podcast, but I have some questions and points that are about the Toronto Maple Leafs because we did go in on the Kyle Dubas, Kyle Davidson beef that arose over the weekend, but we didn't get to touch off too much on the Harry Sateri uh, signing slash waivers slash Arizona claim. We touched on it just like a little bit, but uh, just seeing that, you know, we could go on it a little bit more, plus seeing uh, the SDP boys kind of go in on that as well and express their thoughts on how uh, Kyle Dubas has had this happen to him quite a few times over the last however long. It really had me thinking, like, there's, like, as an outsider, just seeing this, like, I, I don't know the number of how many times he's tried to sign a guy and a guy is up on waivers, right? Like, I, I wonder if there's like a legitimate case, if there's like some shenanigans going on here. Like, like, like what's, what's the deal with that, right? Well, each situation is a little unique, right? But they have lost 11 players off waivers in three and a half years, which is by far the most in the league. I think some of that is because they've signed some good depth players down their roster. And so, you know, those guys had, had utility somewhere else. You know, last year it was Jimmy BC and, and Travis Boyd. I mean, guys that have spent all this season in the NHL, like they're NHL players, and the Leafs had a tight cap situation, so they had to subject them through waivers to be able to move them up and down, and, and they lost those players. You know, but there's there's some others, right? They, they had the whole goaltending situation uh, at the start of last season with Aaron Dell, who they signed as a number three. He got claimed before they even played a game. Um, you know, this this one was to Terry. I think it's frustrating. I think it's frustrating for the player. This is a guy who, you know, had to make a deal to terminate his KHL agreement. He lost more than 100,000 euros that he basically had to leave in Russia while the Russian currency crumbled and he couldn't move it out. So, like, he, you know, he's out of pocket for this season compared to what he would. He had a great year, just won an Olympic gold medal. Now he gets a chance to join an NHL roster. And in Toronto, he felt like he maybe had a chance to play playoff games. I mean, the Leafs crease is extremely unstable right now. And so what a great opportunity for Sateri. Uh, and he, so he, you know, he chooses the lease. He wants to come here. And then, you know, my understanding is there was three or four claims actually 
put in on him. So it wasn't just Arizona. Arizona just got him because they're at the bottom of the standings. I know Ottawa was one of the teams that, that attempted to claim him. And, you know, I think for those teams, he could be an asset, right? He's it's, it's a journeyman 32 year old goaltender, but you know, he's making league minimum for the rest of the year. Maybe you, you sign him, you play him, you like him, you get him for next season at a, a good number. So, um, you know, it's, it's still, I guess, an opportunity for him to go play in the NHL, but I know he was disappointed by it. So I, I don't know that it's shenanigans, quite honestly. I mean, Arizona had made a deal. They sent Wedgwood, I think, to Dallas uh, the day before the deadline. So they had an opening there. Uh, they re-signed Carol Vamelka on deadline day, and they need another yes. goalie. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's personal. I don't think it's targeted at Kyle Dubas. Like, I know that somewhere that, that seems to be out there. I think it's because people want these players. Like, they – they claim Leafs players off waivers, yes, but then they play them in their in their lineup. So it's not like they claim them and stash them and just say, "Ha ha ha, Leafs, we got you." Um, you know, they're 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 taking these guys because they're they're assets. I think if you're, I understand where Kyle Dubas would be frustrated though. I mean, any team could have signed to Terry. The Leafs did the work. The Leafs were the one who made that agreement, and then to just lose them, you know, that's it's not ideal, but that's how the rules are written. And obviously, Toronto would have known about that possibility the day they signed them. Yeah, not to mention signing Sateri uh, is a lot cheaper and and a lot less risky as opposed to, you know, dealing away a first-round pick to find some other goaltending option out there. Right. Well, they could have traded a fourth-rounder for Wedgwood like Dallas did, but evidently they they made the determination that they were smarter just to sign this guy. I mean, I think, look, the goaltending is voodoo stuff is actually real. Like, did we talk about Anton Forsberg, right? The, the, the last show, yeah. like he was playing three Signed times on waivers last year. And he's now he's signing an extension. Like that you just, you never know for sure. And, you know, I don't know that Harry Sateri, look, maybe he's only going to play three games for Arizona. I mean, he's, he's still got visa issues. So he's, he's not in North America yet. Um, there's not much time left in the regular season, but you know, maybe he's great. Maybe it's not going to work, but I, I think if you're Toronto, I mean, there's nothing venture, nothing gain. You know, had had he ended up on the Leafs roster at 750, they always could have just sent him to the AHL if it wasn't working out and wouldn't have hurt their cap situation or anything like that. So, you know, I, I think it was a creative solution to their problem, if we call it that, or their their issue. Um, I think it was a sensible way to go, but it didn't work out. And now now the ghost of Peter Mrazek reemerges. <laughs> you thought you could get rid of me. <laughs> hey, on a game on Wednesday night, like the Goaltending is so hilarious. I mean, to me, I, I know that people put a lot of work. It's just, it's, it's so fluid. Like other than a few guys every year, you know, are going to be great. The, the variance in performance and, and numbers. And obviously it's tied to the team too. Like some goalies get 42 shots in a game, some get 18 and they have no control over one or the other, or, you know, they get three breakaways in a game or none. Like it gets, it's, it's a strange position and it's hard. I'm, I'm no expert, honestly. Like I can, I can look at the save percentage like anyone else or even the more, you know, call them advanced metrics, the goal saved above expected or, or what have you, but I can't really evaluate a goaltender's form. Uh, it's just not, not my strength. By the way, what's the general um, sense or feeling around how Kyle Dubas and the Leafs did at the trade deadline? I know other teams in the division did, uh, they made some significant additions, but what, what's the vibe check in Toronto right now with how Kyle Dubas did? Well, judging by my inbox, I wrote a column this week uh, for North Star Bets and Spirit in the Toronto Star. And judging by my inbox, like a lot of people are upset. I think that they felt the Leafs should have been even more aggressive. You know, what, what's notable about what they did at the deadline, Julian, is they protected all of their top prospects, you know, made it quite clear they didn't want to trade those players. 
They they held on to their first round pick in 2023 and 2022. And, you know, that was done on purpose. And I think part of what we should deduce from that is I don't think Kyle Dubas believes in this idea of all in, right? Like Bill Zito is all in. Like Florida does not own a first round pick now until 2025. And he gave up a first in a deal for a pure rental in Claude Giroux and another first in a deal for a pure rental in Ben Chirot. Now, obviously, both those players might end up re-signing in Florida, so maybe it doesn't end up being a rental situation. But at the time he's making the decision, he's only buying them for maximum, what, 20 regular season games and maybe 28 playoff games if they play four seven-round series. Like, he's buying them for 48 games. And, you know, a first-round pick, you control that player for the first seven years of his pro career. So, I mean, conservatively, your first-round pick is worth 300 games of potential value to your team. And so I think you got to think closely about that. And so I don't know that the Leafs buy this sort of theory of all in. And so they they made it clear to teams they weren't going to do the first rounder. They kind of waited out the market. They ended up getting Giordano for a second rounder uh, and Colin Blackwell as well. And, you know, I think that that part of it is done because they don't see the wisdom in, in first rounders for rentals as a rule. I think secondly, there's an acknowledgement in that, that this is a team like this isn't the one, this isn't the Leafs cup window. Like as much as I know in the media, I'm like, I'm even guilty of it too. Like we were calling this kind of this last dance sort of season. The reality is it's not that the Leafs have two more years of potential cup contention. Cause that's the, the amount of time Austin Matthews is under contract. And I think as long as Austin Matthews is on the Maple Leafs in the prime of his career, they've got a chance to do something special because he is ridiculous. Ridic, as the kids say these days. So, Oh, uh, Shout out Easter egg for those that listen to every episode. But the point is, is that, uh, um, you know, I, I think that there, there's an acknowledgement there. They need guys in entry-level deals to come up in these next two years and help them with their cap situation. So I think it was an interesting deadline. I liked the Giordano ad. Um, definitely makes her blue line better today. But, you know, if we're doing the vibe check, it's never going to be enough for some. I, I get that, look, the goaltending thing has to be that's that's the bomb that could blow up in their face. Like they could lose a first round series with a bunch of like six, four losses because they can't get a save. Like that's, that is a possible outcome that's now in the universe. I, I think it all depends on what you think of Marc-Andre Fleury. Obviously that's the one player we know if they were willing to deal a conditional first like Minnesota, they probably could have got him and chose not to. Um, but I, I don't mind the deadline personally, but it's going to be, it's going to be a spicy few weeks here in, in the center of the hockey universe because you know, I, I think the fan base is ready to boil over again um, if, if this doesn't go well. And, you know, there's no reason really to predict it not to go well, other than they're probably going to play Tampa in round one or maybe Florida or maybe Boston. Either way, it's going to be a tough matchup. But, you know, Matthews and Marner are having outrageously good seasons. And I know that they were the centerpieces of a lot of the criticism in last year's playoffs against Montreal because they didn't produce. Uh, offense. And so, I, I mean, I, I'm not seeing anything that won't say they're going to have a big playoffs this year. I mean, Matthews scores every game pretty much. Uh, so we'll see. It's going to be some narrative is going to be written here in the next few weeks. And, and I'm sure people will look back at the deadline if, if, it, if it doesn't go well for the Leafs and say there was more that should have been done. First round pick should have been given up. I guess. Oh, I guess. I mean, a... but then maybe they draft a player of that pick. I mean, look, this is what this is what Kyle Dubas gets paid for, right? This is those are decisions you have to make. Like Bill Zito made very clear. Like Bill Zito is the guy, like just playing fast and easy at the casino right now. He's like, take all my hundreds, let's go, let her ride. Uh, you know, the Leafs are a little, <laughs> Leafs are a little more conservative, and 
you know, time will time will write the story about who was right or not. Okay, I have one other thing I want to get to before we get to stick taps for this week. Uh, so I thought Shea Weber, the contract would be moved by Monday. And on the SCP again, I didn't think I'd get to a point where I'd be talking about the Steve Dangle podcast and Steve Dangle would try to be the insider and talk about the little birdies that are talking in his ear. You should probably get that checked. But he says that uh, I think the Canadians tried at the very least to move him to Arizona. And I don't think that's necessarily a surprise, but I do have questions as to why that move might not have worked and what uh, aspects of his contract or with regards to his money or however much money is owed to him over the next four years might cause that might cause the coyotes to kind of say, hold up, but then also go to Brian Little's contract who is owed a little bit more, even though it's only for the next, I think, two years. Yeah, so the Canadians definitely tried to move Shea Weber's contract. I think in a perfect world, they don't want to be operating in LTIR every year, and and that's kind of the position they're going to be in as long as Weber remains unable to play hockey due to his injuries and and he's on their books. And so I think there's a chance for them to do it again in the offseason. You know, my understanding of his specific case is that this came down to an insurance issue. I'm not sure that it's the full value of the dollars owed to him in his contract are covered by insurance. And so that might be one difference with little um, in terms of, you know, perhaps his, his contract is fully insured. And so I think that that's partially what held it up. But also, you know, the Coyotes got a pretty good NCAA prospect by the name of Nathan Smith, along with Brian Little's contract. So I think the return could have influenced what went down Um but, you know, I, I still think there's an opportunity for the Canadians to move Weber's contract because the actual money due is, I think, $6 million uh, About on a year yeah. deal. It goes down, you know, it's it goes down to almost league minimum in terms of actual contract salary due um, because it was one of those cheap contracts before the loophole was closed. And so, and to be fair, it was signed, people won't remember this, by the Philadelphia Flyers as an offer sheet to Nashville. So, I mean, when I say it's a cheap deal, it was Montreal acquired the deal, but they didn't know they shouldn't be blamed for what what's remaining there. Um, so I, I think the Canadians will probably still try to move Weber's contract in the off season. I don't know how close it got there. Definitely were pretty intensive discussions. I think, I think there was actually a much bigger trade discussed between the Canadians and the coyotes. That wasn't, it wasn't just the contract for, you know, picks or, or whatever, you know, it wasn't a deal like the one they made with Winnipeg for Brian Little's deal. I think there's roster players and everything involved. So, you know, it was a complex deal that didn't happen, but, Perhaps it's one that can be, you know, revisited at, at the draft because that's often what happens. I mean, sometimes teams talk about a certain collection of players or assets for a long time and try and they can't find the fit. And, and over time, it, it gets a little more seamless. So maybe these teams will connect on that again because the Coyotes have so few players under contract next year. You know, they're going to need help reaching the cap floor. And that's that's what Brian Little's deal is, is going to do. And, and maybe there's room for Weber there, too, because there's just not a lot of players making a lot of money in, in Arizona and you know, they're still in a rebuild. Like they're looking at, they're looking at a three-year rebuild from now, like where they're probably not going to be that competitive in terms of trying to make the playoffs. So they're going to need all the help they can get to, to make sure that they get to the salary cap floor. To clarify something. Yes, it is exactly 6 million over the next four years uh, owed to Shea Weber in terms of actual money. And yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the Canadians would make more moves at the draft. And I'll say this, 
the general feel in Montreal with Kent Hughes and how he handled his very first uh, trade deadline as GM. A lot of people still were, a lot of fans I know, were still very content. I think if he had moved the Weber contract, that would have probably been like, like the equivalent of like a grand slam that might've been like a, like a 10 for them. But okay. a lot of people are rating him like a seven or an eight because he was able to get so many prospects and draft picks. He's still standing on third base and they're cheering for him. Like he hit a triple. So that's, that's not a bad outcome. Hey, look, considering the state of baseball and how there's a lack of it in Montreal, a lot of people would cheer for singles and doubles whenever they could get them in this city. So not surprised that uh, people are cheering for a triple and in this case, to bring it back to hockey, Kent Hughes uh, and the rest of how they've done it, they've brought a lot of good feelings back to uh, the Montreal Canadiens as opposed to what they were feeling a couple months ago. With Let's uh, call this the honeymoon Chardonnay. period, though, and I'm not, I'm not picking yeah, oh, it is. Titles, but like the teardown is always way easier than the build. That and uh, there's a prospect in their system that uh, has caused a lot of fear and anger with a section of people. And depending on how they deal with that kid, that could change a lot of things. You are absolutely right. They are in the honeymoon phase right now. And depending on how things go in the summer, that could change a lot of different things. But here's the thing, though. You're talking about Logan Mayu, I assume. Yes. Um, you know, they didn't draft him like he's now. They didn't. He's an, or- he's an organizational asset. And there's some people that think he might be their best prospect in their whole system. Like I'm not a prospect expert. I've just had that said to me um, by people that, that know more about that. And so it will be a tricky situation to handle from a, from an organizational standpoint. I'm not, I'm not sure what they're going to do if he'll sign a pro contract or, or what, but um, yeah, that's, that's, that one's going to keep an eye on that one. Yeah. We're going to, yeah. Like, like I kind of see that obviously being in Montreal focused on the Canadians, I kind of see that as like this dark cloud that's in the distance. You know, you're 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 at a part, you're in some part of the world where it's just sunny, and then you look out in the distance and you see these dark clouds are coming towards you. You just kind of enjoy the sunshine and the lack of rain before that darkness eventually shows up. That's how I kind of envision the situation for the Montreal Canadiens. Because I think when it gets to that point, some very interesting questions will be asked. But anyway, that is a bridge we'll cross when it comes time for us to cross that bridge. Um, stick taps for this week. It's the segment that we do uh, usually every Thursday where we show some love uh, to someone either in the hockey community or just any community, really, just someone who just affected us in a way. Uh, I'm going to bring out the green goalie uh, paddle for this week's edition, uh, even though uh, the uh, person I'm going to give the stick tap to was a forward. One of the best things I saw this week came on TSN Trade Center, which, of course, CJ, you were a part of. Uh, Cheryl Pounder. saying that was the best thing you saw this week? Thank you. I said I said one of the best things I saw this week. You didn't let me finish. Uh, you you, you liked be- my tie. I had a nice tie for deadline day. Uh, it was okay, but I, I don't think the way that you looked and the way, the, ha- the way you handled your business compared to the moment where, or one, Cheryl Pounder, Excellent job on the broadcast. And also shout out to Haley Salvi and teaming at The Athletic for doing really well as well. But Cheryl Pounder, there's a segment, I believe, during the trading bunch where they're talking about uh, what jerseys they would like uh, from people across the hockey world. And Cheryl Pounder mentioned she would love to get a jersey from Angela James. And lo and behold, the TSN broadcast surprises Cheryl with Angela James bringing out a jersey. I understand some people are like, oh, it would have been nice if she had brought out a jersey from her actual playing days. But just to have a living legend in the sport of hockey, regardless of male or female, show up and do that, like, 
that gave me chills. And I felt a little bit emotional watching that. And, and Cheryl obviously got very emotional. That was one of the best things I've seen all week. And I know coach Cal, he deserves some love too. He pumped up the boys and girls and all that, but Angela James coming out, getting her flowers, getting her respect and doing that. I think that was a really cool gesture and that deserves stick taps. Absolutely. That was, that was really cool. That was great. Nice. Well, I'm going to give a stick tap and a coffee cheers mm. to our listener, Adil Saeed. Yes. Apologies if I mispronounce your name, Adil, but uh, former colleague, it turns out, of producer Nick at Walmart like a decade ago. But uh, <laughs> Walmart. Like, the world is just so small, man, like stuff like this happens. But Adil, he, you know, he, he messaged me on Instagram uh, and we went back and forth a little bit and he, he made this sort of rendering. I don't know if you saw it. Of, of me with the hat and the sunglasses and, and the, that's I did. and that's Redick. And it just looks so cool. And like, it came through my timeline and I was like, that's awesome. Like, I can't believe someone would take the time to do that. So he brightened my day with that. It was just, it looks kind of cool. I, I'd love to put it on a t-shirt or something, but I don't know how that works. Cause obviously it's not my property, even though it's my likeness. Um, but thanks Adele for listening and for taking the time and putting your creative talents to, to bad use by uh, rendering me. No, I don't know about bad use. I think you did an absolute great job. I mean, obviously you're saying that, but like your face is nice to render, I assume. So yeah, uh, shout out to uh, shout out to Adil. Uh, really great job. Shout out to all the listeners who tuned in for our last few episodes and made them as popular as they were, whether on YouTube, whether uh, on whatever podcasting platforms you listen on. We hope you're able to kind of at least sustain that same energy for this one, of course. Uh, I realize we plugged a lot of things in this podcast. So Adam Wilde has a lot of work to do, I think. Uh, but dude, uh, a pleasure to do these episodes with you all the time. We'll be back on Monday with uh, Ask CJ and other fun stuff as we continue to race over to the Stanley Cup playoffs. We have to get through the rest of this regular season, but the postseason on the way. And CJ, if it's anything like how you, you feel it's going to be, like I, we could be in for a ridiculous postseason. It's going to be ridiculous, bud. And, and I'm telling you, this might be a mail it in March for CJ. So like the rest of March into April, you know, you're, you're going to have to carry me a little bit. We, we might even do a whole podcast where we don't even talk about hockey. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You want me to carry, you want me to help you carry this podcast, but you are also so quick to ship me off to Noxie and Cax. By the way, no shade to those two. That'd be great to hang out with those two individuals who have a fantastic podcast. By the way, actually, you know what? I'm not even mad you we would want to trade me there because uh, their episode that's supposed to drop today or has already probably dropped by the time you're listening to this one is supposed to feature a pretty prominent guest. Do you know who it is? I do not. I don't get all the company emails. Three letters. M-P-P. I know who that is. Yes. Mary Philippe Poulain. Yeah, man. So uh, you know what? Canada's I, I don't mind being loaned. I don't mind being loaned out to the uh, the Noxie and Cax podcast to sit in on the uh, the goat conversation with uh, one of the goats, if not the goat of, of hockey in this country. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, uh, subscribe to the SDPN YouTube page. Subscribe to all the podcasts you can get on the SDPN, whether it's the Chris Johnston show, whether it's Agent Provocateur with Alan Walsh, whether it's Noxie and Cax, whether it's even the Steve Dangle podcast, because... I'm sure they need all the help they can get just like small podcasters trying to build up their names you know they can you know, the, and Steve, you know i'd like trying to make good in the world 
yeah, you know, I like that Steve guy. He's just he's just some young guy just trying to make it for himself. He's got a family, got to take care of all that, man. A big house. You know, I get it. he's trying to make this podcast thing work. You know, we support the brother. Support him. My next episode, I'm going to be in West Palm on Monday, bud. So I might be in like Florida flowery shirt. Maybe I'll bring the sunglasses back. Look out. So Florida CJ, we had Vino CJ. You're just adding to the AKAs I'll eventually bring out again, man, because all your different alter egos, like they, they, they've really popped up this week. I'm going to bring a vibe on Monday. I'm telling you. All right, then I I better bring I better get ready to bring a vibe on Monday too, and uh, if you're gonna bring a vibe, then I definitely have to bring uh, some fun questions for Ask CJ, which you can already get started uh, with tweeting at Reporter Chris with the hashtag Ask CJ, or if you are on our Discord, go on the CJ Show Questions uh, channel and just dump whatever questions are there. Some people have already started to do that. Feel free to do more of that. For CJ, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. We'll see you on Monday. Brand new episode of The CJ Show. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK and McKenzie.